Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to First City Church. On August the 23rd, we are now entering the third and final week of our 21 days of prayer. We started out this whole series looking at Micah chapter 6, verse 8, where God said, I need three things from you. I require you to act justly, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. And so we've had a series where we were talking about, can we talk about social justice, how to help the oppressed? What does a Christian do in acting to make sure that we are acting justly in our community and for the good of the kingdom? And then we do it with kindness. And so we've talked about how to show kindness. And now as we begin to talk about walking humbly with God, this is the scripture that we have for today uh, on day 15 of our 21 days. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, but be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. And don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And so what we're wanting to do is we're wanting all this week to focus on what does it mean if I were to humble myself and walk with God? What does that look like? And so all this week we're going to look at passages of Scripture that will help us to do that. Then... At the end of our 21 days of prayer, we're going to come out of that looking to be more intentional. And so we pause for 21 days of prayer. For those of you who are brand new to First City Church, we do this in January. We do it again in August, two times a year. We pause 21 days for prayer. And then we come out of that time looking to be more intentional in our lives for the glory of God and the building up of his kingdom in our community. And so what that means is we now want to, to look at what is it God wants us to do? How is my life going to change, going to improve, have a more intimate walk with God after spending that day in prayer? And so we've been asking God, bless us, lead us, guide us, show us. And so now we want to be very intentional with what that means. And it's this intentionality that I want to really talk about and focus in on today. So if you've never done this before and you begin to think, well, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to act more intentionally? What I want to share with you today is how do we run after the blessing of God? What did he say in his word that shows us how to do that? And so we're going to be looking two passages in Deuteronomy today. And then I want to focus in on one way, just give you one practical step that you can take for you or for your family to be more intentional from now to the end of the year. And there are gonna be three questions that we're gonna wrap around that. So if you wanna make sure that you go get a pen uh, or a piece of paper, I have some ideas that I wanna give you today just real practically to show you how to do this. So as we get started, when you talk about next steps, how am I going to be more intentional coming out of this 21 days of prayer for the things of God? It shows itself in multiple ways. Like you may really want to think about your own personal development, your, your, a career choice or a career change, uh, uh, personal habits, healthy habits, uh, with finances. There may be a lot of different personal development plans that you want to make where you're more intentional or spiritual intimacy. We want to make sure that over the next two or three months, we're not so caught up in a highly charged political climate that we begin to lose our focus on intimacy with God. And 
building those relationships or discipleship relationships. So spiritual intimacy is one. Ministry opportunities. We always come out of this at the end of August talking about small group opportunities, uh, getting involved in those. We're going to present a lot of those to you, and I hope that everyone joins in a small group. It may be uh, our lift opportunity that we have, or Teddy Hart's going to start a small group with social justice. There's a lot of different ways that you can get involved so that we can make an impact in our community. Small groups have mentioned that, and then just stronger relationships. How are we going to make sure that all of our relationships stay alive? Because we've all been so isolated and quarantined for so long. I don't want us to grow this silo mentality of how to do life so that everybody's developing what they think is best for them or for their family, and we lose connection to each other and the overwhelming blessing of what it means to be the family of God. So I just have one example with how one family did that here in my neighborhood, actually. So my wife and I live in a small neighborhood out in Beulah, and there are several open lots in our neighborhood. One of those lots was right next to our house. And so they started building a house next to us. We're going to get some neighbors. And about halfway through the building of that house, on a Sunday evening, no workers were there. And so nosy me, I just thought, you know what? I'm going to go inside and look at that house and just look at the, the framework and the outline. And, and, and so I did. I, I walked into the, they had no doors on the house, right? So I just walked in and I thought, oh, this is a nice big, you know, open foyer area. I saw the big living room in the kitchen. And I'm like, okay, so here's the framework. This looks like it's going to be a bedroom or here are two bedrooms and here's a bathroom. And as I walked around the house, I was really struck by what I read on the framework for the doors of two bedrooms. And as I turned, I looked, and this was written on the door frame of two bedrooms next to a bathroom. And right above it were two names of two children. And so it said this, Bless shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. Deuteronomy 28, verse 6. And instantly I thought, man, I cannot wait to meet my new neighbors. I love them already. And I started praying this prayer, and I started praying for their family. Their, their house is just complete. They haven't moved in yet. I still haven't met them, but I'm looking forward to it. But what this signaled to me is one afternoon, two parents got their children, and they said, let's just go look at the progress they're making on our house. And while the children were running around playing in the dirt and oblivious, a very intentional mom and dad walked with a marker over to the bedroom doors of their children and in a prayer to God said, God, would you bless my children as they come in and out of this room all the days of their life. And I just love that. I love the intentionality and the vision that these parents have of wanting their children to walk with God and God to bless their children. Now this comes from Deuteronomy. So in Deuteronomy chapter 6, God started talking to his people. I'm your God, you're my people, and if we're going to do this well and both be blessed in this relationship, I have an outline I have things I want you to do, commandments you're going to need to follow if we're going to do this right. 
And so Deuteronomy chapter 6. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Watch here what that family next door to me did. Talk about them when you're at home and when you are on the road and when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. It's like, parents, be very intentional in the way you're leading your family's life and the way that you're raising your children. Every day, teach them what is the story of God and how He led His people and how we fit into that story and how we will be blessed if we follow God all the days of our life. Then from chapter 6 through chapter 27, He wrote all these laws, laws about festivals and sacrifices and worship and relationships and forgiveness and covenant. He covered a whole lot of topics. And then by the time you get to chapter 28, he gave the second book in on this message and he, and he gave them this blessing attached to this vision of walking with him. 28 verse 1. And if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I'm giving you today, if, you've, if you do all the things that I said between chapter 6 and chapters 27, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations and of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. Your offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you will be blessed. And he really didn't stop there. Through the rest of this chapter, he continues, and I'll protect you from your enemies and wherever you go and whatever you do. And God is like, I really want to bless you. And so I told you at the beginning, if you'll let me be your God and if you'll be my people and if you'll obey my commands, it's going to go well with you. He told them what that was. And then here at the end, he said, now, if you keep those commands, you're going to find a blessed life. Who does not want to have a blessed life before God? At the end of the day, which parent does not want their children blessed by God? Which of you do not want to have a life blessed by God? So what we now have is the space between Deuteronomy 6 and Deuteronomy 28. And between the vision that God has for your life and the blessing that is waiting for you is an open invitation from God to be intentional for the blessing of you and your family. And that's what God wants for you. But that's the tough part, right? I mean, the tough part is, yes, I want to be blessed by God. So go ahead, God, and bless me. But God's like, no, you get to choose where, how, and how much I bless you. If you run after me, if you keep my commands. And so it's an open invitation from God. So I got to thinking about that this past week and, and beginning to ask myself, do I, do I know somebody who all of their married life, all of their life from the time I knew them, you know, young, have they run after God and have they been intentional with that? And I got a, a text 
from a guy named John Ott, who was in my youth group way back in the 1990s. And, and uh, John ended up going to college, getting out of college, having a very successful you know, career. And then he got married and, and he made a decision with his wife early on in his marriage of something that I want to share with you today. So this is John. So this is John and it's his wife, Shannon, and their four children. You're talking about a wonderful family. And so I called up John last night, actually, and, and I was talking to John and I said, hey, do you remember when you were in high school and do you remember when you came back and interned for me in our youth ministry? And, and do you remember right before you got married and when you got married and I was there at the wedding ceremony? Do you remember what happened right after your marriage and you went to Hawaii? John had this un uh, unbelievable opportunity because his mom and dad owned a little place in, in Hawaii. And so he went there with his wife for a year and they worked at like in retail, part-time job and didn't do anything. And when he came back and I said, John, how did it go? This is what he said to me, oh, Rick, it was so great. We just spent a lot of time together. We watched sunsets together. We went on walks together. We went on adventures together. We just shared life together. And during that time, we wrote out the goals for our family. We sat down and we said, who do we want to be as a, as a family, as a, as a couple? What is gonna be the cornerstone of our marriage? If God blesses us with children, how many do we want to have? How do we want to raise them? And, and what do we want to do with all of that? And now here we are, almost two decades later. And so I called up John and I said, John, how did it go? Do you remember when you were that intentional, when you wrote all that stuff down? And he said, oh, yes, I remember all of it. He said, I had plans for me, for my career, for what I wanted to do as the leader of our home and for our family. And I said, how did it go? And he paused for just a minute and he said, Rick, and this was the first statement he said, all my dreams have been crushed. I thought I knew the direction that I wanted to go for my life. I thought I had it planned out and that I would be working in ministry and what I would be doing. And God crushed all of those. And in that process, I got down to the place that Rich Mullins talks about in his song called, that said, I was lost enough to let myself be led. And he said, I think if, if I were gonna talk to anybody today, based on all of that, it got to a point where Shannon and I had some ideas, we went in some direction, we thought we knew what God wanted us to do and where we wanted to go, you know, God to lead us. And we've experienced a lot of heartache and a lot of broken dreams. But this is what I can tell you. God is good. And if I were to share this with anybody, I would say to them, ask for the courage to lay yourself out before the Lord. And, and when you lay yourself out before Him, ask Him, what do you want? And what would you have us to do? He said, and, and, and we started doing that. And we would say, God, what do you want us to do? And where do you want us to go? And he said, in some seasons of our life, God said, well, what do you want to do? 
And we had multiple opportunities and we got to choose a path. There were other seasons in our life where he said, I want you to move to Texas. Or, I want you to stop, pause, and just rest in me. And as he began to share his life and different things that happened in his life, he said, this is what I can tell you. God has led us on many adventures, wonderful adventures. And the plans he had for us were better than the plans we had for ourselves. So why would we ever try to make plans on our own? And this is what I would tell people today. You can trust God. His plans are good. And he said, yes, God crushed all my personal plans, but where I am today is so much better than where I ever thought that I would be. And he's so in love with his wife and their family is so blessed by God that he still today practices writing down the intentionality of what we're going to do with our family during this time and for this season. And that's what I want to share with you. So how do you do that? How do, you, how do you begin to lead your family in a very intentional direction so that between Deuteronomy 6 and Deuteronomy 28, you're keeping the commands of God even when it's hard so that you can be blessed by God all the days of your life. Well, there's a book written, this book right here, called Three Big Questions for a Frantic Family. This is a fantastic book, and Patrick, as he's talking in this book, begins to ask, you know, three questions that people should ask, you know, if they want to be very intentional about their life. And, and what, what I loved about it is the hook was, he said, you know, in, in the career part of our life, there's, there's a plan. I have a career path. I have a plan. This is where I'm working. This is what I'm working toward. In education, every year, man, my job is to navigate 10th grade and get to the 11th or to graduate high school, or to graduate college, or to get my master's or my doctorate degree, or to get all the learning, partner with whatever I need to learn so that I can be what I want to be. Very intentional. Career path, school path, in all other areas of our life. Except, Patrick is saying, except in our families. And for whatever reason, we're not real intentional on who we are, what we want to be, what we need to accomplish. And so we live by default. Anybody can just call up and say, hey, do you want to go here? Do you want to do this? And we just are very reactive. And when we live by default, we don't live by design. It creates chaos. It creates stress. We have missed opportunities. And we begin to see our children going in different directions. And, and then we try to gather them back in and we get all nervous because we have live by default instead of by design. So if you want to live by design, let me go over with you the three questions that you should ask. And by the way, these three questions apply to you whether you're single or dating or engaged or about to get married or married, one child, seven children. If you're grandparents, these same questions apply regardless of where you are in life if you want to be real intentional about this season of your life and what you want to accomplish, let's say between now and the end of the year. Here we go. Question number one. What makes your family unique? So your family unit, you may be by yourself. I'm a single. 
And so what makes you unique? You know, or if you're married, what makes us unique? Or if you have children, what is unique to our family? What's our unique proposition? What differentiates us from every other family that we know? What's valuable to us? And so as you begin trying to think, okay, how am I going to answer that question? What is unique to us? He said there are two basic ways that families differ, their values and their strategies. And so when you look at your values, the two or three qualities that are core to you, we value honesty, we value hard work, we value relationship with God. And you begin to set these values up, whatever it is in your life or for your family. You have those values, then you begin to make some choices that hold to those. And so because I value God as more important than anything else, I make sure that we never miss an opportunity to gather with the family or to share in communion at home or Bible study or whatever it is. Because we value honesty, we look for open communication and we make it easy for people to be honest, whatever that is. So determine two or three qualities core to you. If you have a hard time thinking about what that is, here's a question you can ask. What do we have in common at the deepest level? In his book, he gives an example of a guy who was in a Bible study and there was a girl that he was attracted to and he noticed that every time a hard situation would come up, she would just speak truth in it. Even if it was difficult to hear, she would say, I don't know if I agree with that because of this. And she would just speak truth, hard truth at times, into situations. He did the same thing himself. They found that to be in common with each other, and that became a cornerstone of their relationship. We value open, honest dialogue, and that set decisions and direction for their family. So what is it in you? You individually? or if you're a couple, or if you're married, or if you have children. What's valuable? And then what are your strategies? What are all the choices that you're going to make that's going to hold to this unique proposition? What makes you unique? Well, in this season of our life, we're trying to navigate certain things. And so that leads to his second question. What is your top priority right now? Now, in the book, he calls it the rally cry. And so this can really go between two and six months. But let's just say, I'm going to say, what is it that we must accomplish over the next four months in order to say it was a productive, productive time for me or a productive time for us or for our family? And so this is a highly charged political climate, right? And so we already know that we're going to be navigating that. We have COVID-19, we're trying to navigate that. We have going back to school online, in person, staying healthy, we're trying to navigate that. There's a lot of stuff that we're trying to navigate. The loss of jobs, whether or not the market, our 401ks are gonna go up or down. What is it that we need to accomplish? And so, you know, if uh, some of you may say, well, over the next four months, we want to navigate successfully the transition from a rented apartment to our first new home. And we want to do that with excellence. Or you may want to say, we're going to navigate this new upcoming school year and make the right decisions so that we can stay healthy and capture all the learning 
that we're going to need to be successful this year. Or we're getting married and we want to lay down a solid foundation that we can build a successful life on for eternity. Or we're transitioning into grandparents or into uh, retirement or whatever that is. But, but what is it over the next four months? Man, over the next four months, we really need to focus down at, and, and accomplish this one thing. And then, coming out of that, you determine four or five things that need to happen to accomplish your big priority, your big idea. So we're going to make sure that uh, our relationship stays strong with God and not get distracted by a highly charged political climate. What are some decisions that we make? Well, we're not going to watch three hours of CNN or Fox News or MSNBC. We're going to spend 30 minutes of that. We're going to spend an hour in Bible study, and we're going to spend an hour talking together as a couple, or whatever that is. But you'll make some decisions based on your big priority and all of the choices that you have. And you'll filter out the ones that will distract you from your top priority. And you'll add in the ones that are going to lead you toward it. And then, finally, the third question. How are we going to talk about and use the answers to these questions? And this question is about just keeping it in front of you and creating a rhythm of life. And it really is about conversation and about visuals. And so... In the conversation, how are we going to talk about it every week? So every Thursday night at dinner, we'll sit down, we'll share a meal together, and we'll spend at least five minutes talking about our priority, our family, and our, how is it going? Are, are we keeping it? Is Do we need to change it a little bit? Or maybe you'll meet with a discipleship partner uh, or whoever you need to meet with as an individual, as a couple, or as a family but write it into the rhythm of conversations. Keep it alive every week. And I love this visual. Keep it in front of you. Keep the visuals of your values in front of you. Put it on your refrigerator door. Write it out on a sheet of paper. Put it in every bedroom, on every desk, or whatever you do. I have them all around our house. You know, I just, I, I love visuals and I love being reminded of the things of God. Here's one right here. I'm in our dining room. I just made shift, you know, so that we could uh, do this video. But it just says, gather here with grateful hearts. It's just a simple message that just keeps a spirit of gratitude. In our bedroom, above our bed, it says, love never fails. And it's just a constant reminder to just constantly share love with the one that I love and let God grow that love. Uh, in our living room, we have you know a little sign that says, don't count the days, but make the days count, right? And so all, all, put the visuals in front of you. Keep them alive. Keep them so that you see them every day. And you see the vision. You see what's important and where you're going. And it reminds you that every day you have choices to make that are going to move you toward your purpose or distract you from your purpose. And let's ask God for the wisdom to know the difference and keep us moving forward. So then in closing, here are the three big questions again. If you want to take a picture of it or if you want to write them all down. 
What makes your family unique? What's valuable to you? What are your values? What are your strategies? What's your unique proposition? And, and how are you different from everybody else around you? And what do you want to keep alive in that? Which leads to number two. What is your top priority right now? Just over the next three to four months, what are we really all together? What do we really need to focus in on? So that at the end of the year, we can say that time was well spent. We accomplished our purpose. And then how are we going to keep it alive in our conversations and with our visuals? What you have in front of you is an opportunity, an invitation. In the gap between Deuteronomy 6 and Deuteronomy 28, the vision of God wanting to bless you and the fact that he did is this space of choice. And I'm asking you today, make some decisions that help you to focus in on the things of God so that he can bless you. John Ott's a wonderful man. His family is a wonderful family. I loved his testimony and the fact that he allowed me to share it with you. And I pray that you and your family will have the courage to lay yourself out before God and say, God, what do you want with my one wild and precious life? And as you protect our family, lead us in the direction you want us to go. Can I pray with you? Lord God, thank you for today and thank you for all the decisions that are in front of us. These 21 days we want to spend in front of your throne with our faces down. We want to humbly walk with you all this week and listen to you. And as we come out of this 21 days, God, with intentionality, we want our life to change. We want it to be better. We want something to be different because we've spent this time with you. And so we're listening right now to your voice, to your leading, to what you want us to do. And we trust you because your plans are always good. Thank you for leading our life. We love you. In the name of Jesus, amen.